0: the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth go to shipstation.com and use code kara to sign up for your free 60-day trial that's shipstation.com code kara use code kara for a free 60-day trial that's shipstation.com promo code kara
1: and so i was looking for like a nut free spread that tasted really good and left me feeling really good. And the only thing that I could find was like that Trader Joe's cookie butter. And so I was like, I kind of want to, you know, make something that's similar taste-wise but has a better nutritional profile. And then it just dawned on me, granola butter. You know, why has no one ever done that before? And so
0: here we had this dilemma, this this fact. This fact this I've fact, been fact. almost a decade,
1: decade researching
0: decade, this decade. subject.
1: Every aspect of your metabolic health improves.
0: From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. You may have tried Hint water before, but this is my podcast. Each week, we talk to some of the most creative entrepreneurs from world touring pop stars like Jay Sean to the people behind favorite Instagram accounts, including So Yummy, New York City, and even YouTubers like Sarah Dietschy. So the million dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara at Unstoppable, and we're so excited this morning to have Allie Bonner here from Queen & Co. Granola Bar. Thanks for coming over. Thanks so much. Yeah. So Allie just had her first show at the Fancy Food Show here in San Francisco, and uh, we're really excited to hear what she thought about that. But first, welcome, first of all. But I want to get some background on you. Where'd you grow up?
1: So, um, so I grew up in San Diego. Um, I was actually born in Japan. Oh wow! <laughs> Randomly, my mom's a baby dentist, but then we moved um, to San Diego shortly after that, um, and then I came up to the Bay for school and um, studied nutrition at UC Berkeley, and kind of stuck around San Francisco um, for a couple years after that, and now I'm back down in San Diego, where I'm working on granola butter full time.
0: That's awesome. So Solano Beach. And how is that like in building a company down there?
1: Yeah, it's been fun. Um, It's definitely a lot slower paced than San Francisco. You know, people are kind of, it's more work-life balance, I would say. And I really miss kind of like the buzz of of San Francisco, just like people are just up to bigger things up here kind of, Um, you know, starting their own companies and stuff. But it has been really awesome just to have that kind of relaxation side of things, um, when like the rest of my life is in shambles.
0: And the beach that you can actually go to and lay out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and sun yeah. on a gloomy
0: San Francisco day that we're experiencing. Absolutely. So, so what gave you the idea to actually start this granola butter so, yeah, company?
1: Yeah. So, I, so when I was studying uh, nutrition at Cal, um, you know, I've always loved food. And like even in third grade, my mom said I would get up before everyone else and like make sandwiches for everyone. Like, I just love like playing with food, making food. And so it's kind of felt like a natural progression for me to just study nutrition. And unfortunately, um, kind of developed an eating disorder in college while, you know, just learning all of this nutrition information. And it was kind of just information overload, you know, like I knew too much about nutrition. And so, you know, coming all through my college experience, I, every time I would take a bite of something, like I knew all the nutrition about it and, and it just food became really stressful for me and, um, kind of lost along the way, like the pleasure and joy of eating, um and so, you know, a few years out of college, I'm kind of still struggling with this. And and so as in my recovery, I started to incorporate a lot more nuts and nut butters into my diet, um, which was something I had restricted for a long time. And, you know, delicious as they are, mm-hmm. it was kind of digestively a lot to handle, especially I was working out a lot and just kind of sat really heavy in my stomach. And so I was looking for like a nut-free spread that tasted really good and left me feeling really good. And the only thing that I could find was like that Trader Joe's cookie butter, which is obviously nutritionally like not the yeah.
0: best. Tons of sugar um, and yeah. yeah.
1: But I mean, tastes amazing. And so I was like, I kind of want to, you know, make something that's similar taste wise, but has a better nutritional profile. And then it just dawned on me, granola butter. You know, why has no one ever done that before? So I Googled it on my phone and nothing really came up. Um, and so kind of sat on the idea for a while and my, um, boyfriend of five years. Um, you know, he's kind of in the tech, um, consulting business and we kind of realized that both of us would be great business partners. Um, and so we decided to go in together. And so granola butter was born. So it's, um, to tell you a little bit about it, the first ever spreadable granola. Um, so it's actually nut free. It has the texture of an almond butter, um, use it the same way. drip it on smoothies, you know, spread it on toast um, Tastes kind of like cinnamon Teddy grams, if you remember
0: those. Yeah. Well, it has maple, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And maple, a little bit of maple syrup in it. And that's great. So I'm reading the uh, with my glasses on right now. So gluten-free oats, flax, olive oil, coconut oil, maple syrup, salt, and spices. So a little bit. Is there cinnamon in here too or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
1: we do like a pretty warming spice blend. Um, so yeah, cinnamon. Um, and we keep the sugar low. It's only three grams.
0: Yeah. I, that's what I was going to say. It's like, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah. So
1: it's been super exciting. So we initially launched actually kind of took more like the millennial market, just like people wanting a fun new spread. Um, but I realized like all the schools now are nut free and I don't have kids. So I, you know, didn't really know that before, but all these moms were coming to us and they were like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing because I couldn't send my kids to school with a PB and J yeah. and like sunflower seed butter. Um, I like it, but I think for a lot of kids, it could be a little bit bitter, Mm -hmm. um, sun butter. And so all these moms are obsessed with granola butter. So we're kind of, you know, now we're top eight free and nut free. Um, So
0: that's amazing. So how, how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? No matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. How, so did you always know when you were at Berkeley? Did you know, like you wanted to be an entrepreneur and go start a company? Or what were you I speak a lot on college campuses. And I'm always like, talking to students about, you know, like, they're like, should I know now that I'm, you know, that if I want to go be an entrepreneur, like, is there something wrong with me if I don't know now? Like, how were you feeling back then when you were
1: Yeah, totally. So I, yeah, I always was very head down on being pre-med and I think, you know, being a doctor and I think it was really just due to an underlying fear of not really knowing what I wanted to do. Mm And it was like this set out plan, you know, it was like, okay, perfect. Like my senior year, like then I'll have a next step and then I'll have a next step. And it was just this trajectory that was already laid out for me. And, um, but then I had this kind of quarter life crisis. I remember I was like doing some volunteer work in the hospital. And I just, it just hit me. I was like, I hate blood. I hate sick people. You know, why, am I? why are you doing <laughs> why that? Why are you, are you yeah.
0: focused on that as like a life decision? Totally. Right. Yeah.
1: Like I had eight years of, of schooling ahead of me, you know, if I were to, to choose that path. So luckily didn't pursue that. Um, tons of respect for anyone who, you know, decides to be a doctor. It's very important, but was not for me. And so kind of then did the cliche, um, SF tech thing. And so I went in, and worked for a health tech company, which was still kind of, you know, in my wheelhouse because I wanted to make a difference in some way at the you know, yeah. end of the day. And so, um, for this awesome health tech company, and then was there about three years and, and really started to kind of just miss nutrition again and miss working with food. And at that point, my relationship with food had really healed and, um, and I just felt like more stable and was able to, um, to really kind of surround myself with it again. And so that's when I launched Auto Queen, which is kind of my like personal brand, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, Instagram account, um, just chronicling like self-love and body image and just all the everyday things. Um, and so, yeah. And then, I mean, I never thought I would start my own food company. Like that's crazy, but it has been so fun and so rewarding.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And how much do you think, like, do people, are they just finding you on like Instagram and then, you know, do you feel like there's a connection between the fact like those people who are finding you first on Instagram and liking you and knowing your story and then they're going and looking for your product?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's been kind of interesting because I, and I would love to hear your take too yeah. um, in terms of like separating a personal brand and you know, your baby. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I started with Abba queen, but then I wanted to launch queen and co, which is just our brand Instagram on the side because I wanted to separate them and, you know, I didn't want my followers who had followed like my personal journey from the start to kind of be like bombarded with just like product information yep. all the time. Um, you know, cause that's not really why they came and they were kind of there more for like the self-love aspect and I want to respect that. And so, but it has been hard now that, you know, my life is queen and and like, that is what I do all day. So trying to kind of differentiate, like, how do you, I don't know, dis- like differentiate yeah. that.
0: So 14 years ago, when, when we were starting Hint, frankly, I mean, social was not there. I mean, it was like, you know, it was starting, you know, to become, I mean, there were like, I don't know, I used to work for AOL, I would say like AOL, like chat rooms were probably like the closest thing, right? And so I mean, this was pre Facebook. And so there wasn't even, you know, that right. And so I felt like, over time, I mean, having come from a tech background, I was always super interested and in sort of like, you know, new ways of communicating with the with people and the customers. I mean, it sort of goes back to I always laugh because um, when I'm out speaking about sort of building this brand, I my husband is our chief operating officer. And people are always like, I mean, every time I'm out like, what's it like with your husband? And I'm like, listen, it's actually easier. Like I have four kids. And so building a brand and like, Like my priorities are, you know, and as your life gets bigger and more complicated, it's like, I always say this, like you have to like put stakes in the ground around what's important and you have to learn to say no. And I've never been like really good at saying no. And so I figured out like my family is really important to me and, you know, building hint is really important to me. So I don't have very many friends anymore. Like, and so I feel like for me, social media is how I keep up with people. And then like, I'll float in and, you know, see them like, you know, once a year or whatever. And then we pick up exactly where we were like, but because so I'm like, I really see the good side of social media versus like, you know, how people talk about like, Oh, I'm off social media for like months and months. And I'm like, Oh, hope you come back soon. Cause I'd like really like to see what you're doing. And I miss you like on, you know, on, on sort of a weird level, but because I was like, you know, really using it in that way, trying to communicate, people were always like, Oh, gosh, I just saw you, you know, they knew I was starting him, but they're like, Oh, gosh, I just saw you in, you know, fresh market in the south. Like, that's really cool. We know you live in San Francisco. And so I decided to, you know, kind of integrate what I was doing from a business standpoint into my personal life and really start to talk about like, okay, I'm on the plane now going to, you know, Alabama, like, wish me luck. Like we're talking to university or Auburn University about getting our product into, you know, their campus. And then people were like, Oh, what happened? And so then I started to really naturally, really organically have this dialogue with what was going on. And then like, I thought, well, there's a lot more to that conversation that probably wouldn't be appropriate on like a Facebook. And then I just decided that I was already on LinkedIn. And I thought, well, maybe I should really start writing about like the challenges of launching a brand in college campuses that for our category, like, you know, Coke and Pepsi own all the rights. And like, I had no idea. And, and people really started reacting like, gosh, I had no idea too. And what was fascinating to me is like a lot of the people that did react were potential consumers. They weren't necessarily people in the food and beverage industry And so I really started to build this audience of people saying like, gosh, you're really teaching me something like that. They didn't necessarily invest in my product other than the fact that they would potentially buy, but, and they were doing totally different things outside, but they just thought it was like, they want to learn. Right. And so then I just thought if I can actually like really start to write and build on things that I'm seeing, then, you know. That's how I'm going to build my social media brand. But then there there came a point where I felt like there's some stuff I want to talk about that is like kind of heavy, like that could be like lobbying and policy stuff, for example, that really doesn't have a place, you know, in the hint, like, you know, marketing messaging and halo. And so then I just decided, well, what if I just say like, it's from me? You know, it's stuff that I'm seeing out there that I find is really challenging or like, you know, I can talk about like in my day to day life too. like while I'm trying to run a company, how, you know, I was I had these young babies and how, you know, people were talking about like lean in and balance and everything. And I'm like, screw that. Like, you know, my baby has croup and kept me up all night. And like, I don't have any childcare. And it's like, it's really hard, right? Like, and so, again, like, I think like, if you can actually really be your your authentic self and generally be positive, but every once in a while show that, like, you know, life doesn't always like, it's not perfect. And so I've always been, you know, one to sort of, you know, pick up on things like the lean in thing, like, while I like, you know, read the book, and maybe went to one luncheon like that, that was around there. I always said, like, that's not really my life like that, that like, I try to, you know, jump in. But for me, it's like, it depends on the day, like, you know, I've got a family, and I've got a commitment to them to sort of like be their mother and grow up and you know at the end of the day when they when they're sick like it rocks my world right and now it gets easier now that they're teenagers they like actually don't need well they need me in different ways right then then they needed me there so i think that it really was organic i didn't sit there and say from a you know strategy standpoint okay you know, let's build the Hint brand and let's build the Kara brand. But then I also started to see that I became, you know, I would talk about these real life things. And then people, as I was out, like speaking at college universities, people would be like, oh, I read what you said on LinkedIn about this. And like, what do you think about this? And I realized that in people's minds, they are tied like I'm still, you know, the founder and the CEO and, you know, also run this company and also have this family. So I thought like from an SEO standpoint too, that we're, you know, we have to be able to tie those things together because sometimes people will remember like, you know, oh, there's that hint product and there's a woman that runs that company and she writes a lot on LinkedIn, but I can't remember her name. Like that's the way I live, you know, or like, Oh, she's like wrote about this thing. And I think she's a founder of a company in San Francisco, but I don't really remember what the name of the company is. And then, so you have to be able to like, I think it works best if you can tie all of those elements together that, that people will ultimately, you know, remember about you. So um, I think it's like, you know, when I hear private equity firms, you know, talk about uh, that brands and, you know, that shouldn't have a story like they they're they fear like founder stories I mean this and I've heard this from lots of entrepreneurs that they're like oh my investors don't really want me to talk I mean you're pre-investor right like you don't have these people but that's that's sort of like you know one guy's opinion that you shouldn't be able to be talking about sort of what you're like how you built the story like I really really believe that you know people buy brands today from, you know, individuals that they like, right? Like, and when you don't have brand stories, then it's like, you can definitely get an audience and and get sales, but you just have to, like, buy a lot of billboards and have really great advertising that's punchy um, in order to do it. So I think it's like, you know, people want to write the publications, people want to write about founder stories too, and they want, you know, so I think like you can get more bang for your buck, um, especially early on, but I think that that's really important. So, but anyway, so going, going back to you on, you know, the, the granola butter, I mean, it's such a great idea. It's, it's awesome. And you were telling me earlier that you just got into press juicery as well. So And you can put it on in a bunch of pressed juiceries if you guys aren't familiar with them. They have a yogurt, not in all of them, but they have a frozen yogurt and you can actually put the granola butter on there too. So that's like, that's a great partnership. So
1: So that was really exciting. I mean, that's been kind of, that was our first real, you know, big account. And it's just interesting because coming from the tech side of things. Not knowing how kind of slow food moves, like mm-hmm. you're learning. Yeah. And so it was awesome to really finally see it come to fruition because it was about like nine months um, in the making of like when we started talking to them to when it was on on shelves or in stores.
0: Did they just reach out to you, or did you actually? Yeah,
1: so it's interesting. I I actually had sent them samples right when we launched in March um, for their editorial side for like mm-hmm. the chalkboard Magazine that kind of yeah. line. And I guess, I think the founder Hayden had like walked by and seen it on someone's desk or something and tried it and was like, we need this on our free.
0: That's awesome. So
1: I had gotten, you know, I've been reached out to by them, but um, yeah, I feel like stuff like that happens all the time where it's like, you're trying, you know, when you're reaching out and trying so hard, sometimes other things just seem to fall in your lap. Seemingly, I mean, we're, we're definitely grinding really hard, but (laughs) yeah. And that's actually something that. It, it reminded me is like, and speaking about social media and you know showing both sides of things. I think you do a really great job of showing the good and the bad, and that's something in in twenty nineteen I really want to do from a business side because I think being an entrepreneur, especially in like natural food and and everything, is so glamorized on social media, and you know it's really easy to just show like your wins, right? So posting, oh, we're a new top, totally, rest, and not showing like. The nine months it took to get there, and you know, a machine that was supposed to help us
0: broke like, brok. yeah, yes, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so I'm really trying in the next year to kind of show the the downfalls as well, and just like those moments of of hardship where it's like, okay, this is really tough, and um, you know, self doubt and all that. But to that point, like it's also so rewarding. So yeah, showing um, both, yeah,
0: and it's important. I mean, I have, I have so. I mean, I I would say the one that I'm definitely doing Instagram and Facebook and some of the others, but about a year ago, I got really into Twitter, I used to be that CEO who'd say, like, I don't understand Twitter. And then I was like, I'm always this person, if I don't, if I actually articulate that I don't understand something, I've like my entire life, whether it was, you know, in athletics, or in academics, or whatever, like, I've always said, like, that's not okay. Okay for me to say, I don't understand something. So I really need to, like, dive in and understand it. So for me, Twitter was that and I wanted to like, come up with a conclusion that I either liked it, or I didn't like it. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And on like, a lot of levels. And so really, like, that is the place where I find, you know, I miss my flight. And, you know, and who else has done this? And like, people are like, Oh, God, yeah, I've totally done that before. And, you know, And things that I say to myself, like, I mean, I was literally on Friday night at Newark airport sitting at a gate across from the other gate. And I just, I was so tired and I was just like staring and I must, I looked at the screen that said Seattle, but I was like, in my mind, it was San Francisco. It was the exact same flight times. And I just totally missed it. And then suddenly I hear all these people around me talking about Seattle. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like everyone's talking about Seattle at the San Francisco gate. Like I wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden I look up at the sign and I missed it by, it was like the last flight of the day and I missed it. And so then, you know, I talk on Twitter and I'm like, I am such a dumbass." and the flight is gone. And like the United people were just laughing at me and it really wasn't funny at all. And I, and I was just like, but, but I'm like, what do you do? Like, you know, you just have to like, I went back to the city and went back to my place and I just like went to bed and then got up early next morning. I'm like, it's life, you know, and it's like, you can get upset or you can just say, wow, that that will never happen to me again, because that was like so pathetic. And you can
1: feel better. that exact thing has happened to yeah. me. my mom and I, she was visiting me, you know, at college and um, we were at the airport, we we're actually in Oakland, and we were at, I think it was Pyramid Brewery. Mm-hmm. And we were like getting having beers together. And that's what we miss it, which is even worse. because we We're like, we're so irresponsible. <laughs>
0: I know. So I probably did it in college, but I haven't I fly a lot. And yeah. I was just like, but I really chalked it up too. I mean, it was crazy. And then, you know, other things like I had had, um, I had oral surgery last week at the last minute, I cracked a tooth over New Year's. And anyway, I ended up being in New York and having oral surgery. And so I, I was like joking with my cousin who's a dentist. And I was like, I'm going to film you because I didn't really think it was that bad. And then all of a sudden, as I'm filming, he was like, Oh, no, like, you're like, you need a root canal, you need all this. And I'm like, like, really? No, I don't. I don't really need it. And so but it. I mean, in a strange way, again, it's like, okay, I got to run out of here right now to go to a meeting, you know, with somebody about hint right now. And because I didn't want to miss that meeting, because it was like, I only had a few days in New York, and my time there is very, very scheduled. And so again, like showing people that, you know, you get back up, you know, you're tired, you're just like, you just keep going. And like, and then sometimes I'm like, Okay, I'm really tired. I'm out for like, 48 hours. Adios, like, and people like, like that kind of communication, they feel like they're following me. And then I'll like, I mean, I ran into somebody in the Belize airport, where I was over like the holidays. And I don't even know, Kimmy, if I told you this whole thing. Kimmy is from our team. She's in the room too. But anyway, they were like, Oh my God! Do you work for Hint? And I was laughing because I was like, Oh, how can you tell? My suitcase says Hint on it. All my kids have Hint swag on, and and they're and they start laughing, and they're like, Oh, I totally follow you on social media, and and I drink Hint all the time, and now you're in Belize City, and you're like, and I said with no makeup on and my hair on top of my head, like, and you know, and they were like, No, but you, and you know, and I said, What do you like about what do I, what I talk about? And they said because you're really. Real, like you talk about, like, how hard it is to start companies. And I was like, Are you an entrepreneur? And they're like, No, but I've thought about being an entrepreneur. And I think, like, there's so many people that glamorize it. And you're just like, I love what I do every single day, but it's freaking hard, you know. And you have the rest of your life and that you're dealing with. And so, so anyway, I think, like, that's a big aspect. The more people can, and it sounds like you've done a lot of that already. I mean, I've seen some of what you've done, but I mean, over the years, like, I think it's also like, never be afraid. You don't know when people enter the room too. So never be afraid to sort of like backtrack a tiny bit and sort of like recap. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, because I think that's another issue where, you know, it's like, You know, I, I'm sort of like assuming every day that people sort of understand where we are from like a policy standpoint or like on, like we don't produce our product in cans because it has BPA and there's so many people like, depending on where they entered, you know, the room, right. That they just don't know like what our opinion is on it. And so like, don't be afraid to go back.
1: That's yeah. That's something that I need to always remind myself because you always are in this mindset of, I need to produce fresh content, fresh content. Right. And I think it now, especially going into the, you know, the next year, it's like, I have less time to be creating content yeah. and more not recycling it, but repackaging it. And, totally. And especially with like, you know, blog posts, like those take so long. And, and so pushing out like older blog posts or old recipes totally. that done. Yeah. I um, no, that's such a good point because I always, in my mind, I'm like, Oh,
0: I've already done that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But also even the people that have followed you, like maybe they didn't see it that day or, you know, so you never know.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it's just, it's funny. And it's funny like too, when I'm out um, speaking, I get reminded about things that people like think are really interesting. Like our first Mm co-packer. Well, people were asking, I was speaking at Harvard Business School last week in New York and people were asking me, you know, how I figured out how to do a product that was shelf stable without preservatives. And I mean, my feelings about like the food and beverage industry early on when I was first starting out, I was like, you know, knocking on everybody's doors. I wasn't afraid to like, talk to people. I felt like in tech that that's kind of accepted. They don't necessarily give you like, you know, the rule book, but they'll point you in the direction to go, like, go talk to that person. And in food and beverage, I just couldn't find those people and basically just decided like I tried really hard and it was really upsetting to me because I just thought like just because I hadn't worked for Coke or Kraft, like everybody was discounting the fact that I could actually go do this. And I'm like, I built a billion dollar brand for, you know, a major internet company. Like I can actually go do this. But, you know, it really when you're surrounded by people who give you so much self-doubt, Like that are like doubting you too. And I mean, literally at the fancy food show, I'll never forget like a beverage company that was, you know, they were probably a $50 million beverage company, but they, you know, they weren't like a billion dollar beverage company. I remember saying, oh God, I like so admire like what you guys have done. And they were like, can you move away from the booth? Because we really reserve our booth for like buyers. And I remember being like, how rude. Like, you know, here I've like shown like, you know, authentic, like compliments of like the brand and sort of how they have built it. And like, basically they're like, get lost. And this was just not like a person running the booth. This was a major executive of that company that I was just like, whoa, like that was like so crazy. And I never really heard that in tech. So I ended up going down uh, one of the aisles at Whole Foods and seeing like not even like searching for this but one day like saw a bunch of apple juice that was like sort of the pressed apple juice on the shelf and and I just like happened to pick up the apple juice and I thought well this stays on the shelf more than like a few weeks and how do they actually do they use preservatives and then this company was, um, based in Watsonville and I thought, Oh, Watsonville, California. Like I kind of heard of it. Maybe I've passed it. And then I looked it up and it was by, right by Santa Cruz. And then I thought, well, maybe I can just call this guy. I mean, what do I have to lose? Like, I've just been told by the guy at the booth at fancy food show to like get lost. Right. And, um, and so I called him up on the phone and really nice like salt of the earth guy and he was like an apple farmer and I just said like listen I was just curious is your product shelf stable and you don't use preservatives. He's like, no. And I'm like, how do you do it? And he's like, we heat the product. And so it's like a pseudo pasteurization process. And I'm like, great. I live in San Francisco. Can I come down? And he's like, sure. Like the only time I have available is at 2 a.m. And I'm like, 2 a.m. Like, what do you mean? And he's like, 2 a.m. And And so I was like, okay. and I I guess I'll come down. And he had all these reasons like he goes out and picks the apples in the morning and he had all this like the lines were running. So I was like, okay. And so I looked at my husband and he was, you know, thought this was a crazy idea. And then I was like, this is going to be even crazier that we're going down to like these fields, like at 2am. And, you know, and again, like, I'd run a pretty significant business. And, you know, it was not like going to places at 2am. But I was like, somebody will actually talk to me and have a conversation with me to help me like figure out this puzzle that I'm trying to solve. And um, so my husband went with me and like, we literally like put our like camping cots in the car because we were like, what if we're like, I mean, we felt like, these other co-packers that we had talked to, oftentimes you're sitting around and waiting and I'm like, maybe I'll just like, he'll, I don't know, like, I don't want to sit in a chair and like fall asleep, but maybe I'll just sit there and wait for him. And so when we got there, I mean, it was so interesting because he was, we were asking him all these questions and he was like, have you worked at, you know, Coke or Kraft or whatever, I'm like, no, I'm like a tech executive, but I'm just like trying to figure all this stuff out. And he's like, I really admire that. And, you know, it's like if people, what I figured out is like, there's not a lot of those people, but there's some people out there. And when you find them, you show them that you've got grit and that you're curious and like that you're willing to like work hard. So anyway, like I think like that story, I like haven't told in a few years and I told it at HBS. And I mean, these people were all like, Whoa! Like you could just see the room, be like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, you know, sorry, HBS, but nobody teaches you that. Mm -hmm. Like, at in in undergrad school and business school, like you have to like be humble and you have to like, you don't show up to an Apple co-packer in your suit, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have to be able to like sit there and be on his time and his schedule because he's doing you a favor. And ultimately, I mean you know, 14 years later, he's still like somebody that when we're trying to figure out heart problems, I mean, we call him and we're like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? If we want to do small batch runs of our product, like we'll take it down to him. And he like understands that we need higher speeds for our product. So we can't like really run on his, you know, plant because it's a lot slower, but he taught us so much. And I think like when you find, Again, like that sort of stuff along the way, I think is like really important to entrepreneurs to be able to like, there's no rule book where you're going to find the answers to the stuff. You have to just keep digging. And anyway, yeah. but so that, yeah, I
1: love that. My mom is very similar, like almost that pit bull mentality. Yeah. Me. Like I remember, you know, growing up, she always would ask what like insane questions. And I was so in my like teenage AC phase and I was so embarrassed. And I remember one day, one time we were at the Rolling Stones concert in Chicago And we'd like flown out there as a girl's trip. and she loves the stones. And we had, I thought we had awesome seats, but she was like, I want to get down to the pit and she's a dentist in San Diego. And so she starts talking to the guy who works the lights. And she was like, is there any way like I can treat you demo work in San Diego for like pit wristbands? And these are like 2000. Oh my God. That's hilarious. In my mind, I'm like, mom, what, are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Why? And of course he goes, Oh my God, I'm moving to San Diego. I need a dentist. He's like, let me see what I can do. Comes back with two pit wristbands. Yeah. We were like 10 feet away from Mick Jagger the whole night. Oh and my God. Like, something clicked in my mind that night. Yeah. I you was know, like a 15 year old, like AC teen. And I was like, okay, you just need to ask.
0: Yeah. I mean, and throw it out there. Yeah. I think that's so, I think that's so right. And you know, and you'll get a lot of no's and if you're, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur and you can't really handle no, then like, being an entrepreneur probably isn't for you because you will. But if you're like, really, really focused on, you know, making it happen and solving a problem, then, you know, you're just going to figure it out, like in, in any ways. I mean, entrepreneurs ask me all the time, like, is there a book written about this stuff? Is there a certain consultant I should hire in order to like go and figure out how to develop the product? And, you know, there's I don't think there's any right way. I mean, I don't think there's any perfect consultant that's going to go solve the problem. And I always tell people like, you know, the interesting thing is, first of all, even if you have all the money in the world to go and help you do that, yes, it might help you get there faster. But you should really understand how to do things. Because like, that's when you really run into problems when you're a, you know, founder, or CEO, that just doesn't really understand how you actually create these things. Like that's when you really run into trouble, especially if, you know, you have challenges with your ingredients or whatever, or like, you know, there's God forbid, a recall or whatever, like you have to be able to really understand the processes. I think you never, you know, can sort of rest and say, oh, that's someone else's job in your company, even when you get to be, you know, 140 people like us and, you know. Like I think you have to just always like sort of touch on things like as you start to scale the company. So how did you develop this product? Did you? Everybody's always asking like how do you actually get it to product? Like how long did it take you guys to yeah. do it?
1: Yeah, oh my god, it took. So the first like iterations were obviously just in my kitchen with like a Vitamix blender, <laughs> and they were terrible probably. Um, and then we brought on Ari, who is our third co-founder. So we met him. Um, my boyfriend Eric went, who's also my co-founder, went to Jewish summer camp with him growing up so they were like you know awesome. strong relationships are made um and so he was actually he worked at nomad in new york and some like michelin star restaurants and so it was really kind of you know, so we had
0: like the culinary kind of,
1: culinary, of culinary, yeah, urge yeah 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 so he was like in the fine dining space knew nothing about wellness so it's actually really fascinating to kind of hear his take on wellness he's like he's like oh bone broth like those are just the scraps like the bones that we yeah. throw in a pot you know like they're charging how much are that yeah food? it's he's crazy
0: I, like, I agree with them. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like kimchi, he's like, yeah. So we brought him on and he just really like refined the process and, you know, gave us kind of that culinary know-how and, and added the, you know, the depth of knowledge with like the spice blend and everything and just took it to the next level. So right now, so we're working out of a commercial kitchen down in San Diego and we still produce everything ourselves. So obviously, you know, we're starting to look at scaling and and co-packers and whatnot. But at the moment, it's been really awesome to like self-produce and be able to iterate really quickly and, you know, do new flavors. And um, we're launching a chocolate flavor next month.
0: It's super fun. Super
1: fun just to, you know, we can easily tweak. Oh, we need a little more cacao, a little more of this. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are right now.
0: And what were your first stores?
1: Uh, First stores were Rainbow Grocery in SF. And then Napa Farms Market, mm-hmm. Terminal
0: 2. Those were- I love those guys. Yeah, yeah they're awesome. amazing.
1: And it's been so, it was so fun at Fancy Foods this weekend to actually meet the buyers in person. Like, you know, when you're just communicating with someone over email and you yeah. can, like build them up in your mind as a small brand because like, oh, they just have so much power and you meet them in real life and like, You know, obviously they're cool people, but you're like, Oh, they're just they put their pants on the same way like everyone else. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. So yeah, those were our first stores and you know, some smaller independent naturals up in the Bay Area. But yeah, and then Air One in LA was actually pretty um like one of our first stores as well.
0: That's awesome. Have you guys done like so online? Like, how big is that for you guys? Like, or is it at what percent yes. of the overall net?
1: Yeah, it's about a third. for.
0: That's 30. great. Yeah.
1: Online is a third, you know, retail and then food service now with Pressed. Um, and so we really started online, just obviously on Instagram. Yeah. And that's always going to be my favorite just because it's so fun. You can immediately interact with the customer. You know, we even like when we were just launching, we had kind of done an Instagram poll because we were thinking about maybe changing our name um, and it was just fun because it was like, a you know, granola butter one by like a landslide. It was like 99%. And it was so cool to just have that customer interaction. And then also they feel invested, like they're helping build the brand. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you guys have like done anything like that, but it, it was really cool to do it that way. But the thing with online is it's so volatile, like we'll launch a new flavor, you know, and then like things spike and then it's nice to have the retail and the food service to kind of even it out.
0: Totally sales
1: wise. So yeah, I think just doing a combo of all three. And right now we're so new. We're kind of just like seeing what sticks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's well, I always tell entrepreneurs too, that for me, like I've seen brands go away, you know, over the years. And I think the one consistent thread, no matter what category in the food and beverage, is if you have all your eggs in one basket, whether it's like target or, whether it's Whole Foods or you know, it's as somebody said to me early on when I was starting, hint that you know his biggest advice. He had this guy Josh Dorf who had founded a company called Stoneburr Flowers. He's like, you'll eventually get into Whole Foods nationwide. You'll like all these like great wins, but don't like rest. And I was like, what do you mean? Like that's super cool if you get into Whole Foods nationwide. And he's like you'll get there. But like the most important thing is if they have so much of your business, then like you're at risk. So it's like always be figuring out how to to diversify. And that's the thing that I see about online is that, I mean, we have, we deal with Amazon, but then we also have our own direct business. And so it's like, and then we have Target and Whole Foods and, you know, lots of other things. And no percentage of our business is like greater than 10%. And so I think like, that's the thing, like should be everyone's goal, no matter what size it's like, and that may not be able to happen tomorrow, but like, that's like a, that should be a strategic goal for, you know, any entrepreneur starting, you know, no matter what size you are, is if you see that there's too much weight, doesn't mean like, you know, you change it tomorrow, but you, your goal is to actually shift it in some way so that you grow businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, or distribution points along the way that really, you know, help you diversify and actually, you know, create less risk in your company. Because if, you know, I know for a fact that there were entrepreneurs when the acquisition of Whole Foods happened, like, you know, Amazon came in and they really started to look at the data and there were, you know, different, I mean, there, it was all over the map who like survived in that whole thing. And so if you like have 80% of your business in Whole Foods, like that was a big deal. Yeah, And so if you were kicked out of there, then, you know, I would hear like Sprouts would like look at that and like wonder if they were actually looking at it correctly. And, you know, and, you know, some buyers would say, oh gosh, like people can't buy it at Whole Foods now, but now they can go buy it at, at Sprouts or then just depending on what side of the bed the buyer woke up on, they could say, oh, they've been kicked out of, you know, Whole Foods. So they're not going to be able to survive. So we should kick them out too. And I mean, it was like amazing. It was really had a huge impact, I think, on the industry. And so the more that you can say, like, they're really important customer of mine, but, you know, we have the rest of our business, 90% of our business is in lots of other pockets. I think it's like super important. So absolutely. That's great advice. Yeah. No, I think it's it's huge. So um so beyond the butter, I mean, can you talk to us about like what else do you see? What what's 2019 going to be all about? You're testing lots of different things, yeah. as she said.
1: Yeah, testing lots of things. We're gonna be also launching single serving packets.
0: Um great idea. Around,
1: yeah, around March. So kind of like those like Justin sweet I packets. love him. Um, and we, yeah, we found actually, we have a big like cycling ultra marathoners, uh, community, which I never realized, but just, they're really excited for the packets. Cause, um, like I think nut, I've never done an ultra marathon, but I guess, you know, the nut butters are hard to digest. And so it's like nice. Cause ours is a little higher in carbs for someone who's like super active, but yeah, I think the, the single serving packets will be big. And then just kind of growing. We're at this point where, you know, we just want to like land and expand and, um, all hands on deck,
0: head down. That's awesome. Um,
1: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. But also, you know, as you probably know, it's like every day is like Sunday scaries. So (laughs) I
0: have a friend that we actually sponsor his team in LA. And it's a cycling team. And they're really active. They're kind of like, he would hate for me to say this, but they're older guys. They're all like, you know, but they're doing crazy things like, you know, biking from San Diego to like Malibu like on a Saturday, like, I mean, they're like crazy and they're all over 50. And yeah, like, maybe some of them are like in their late forties, but they're all like probably late forties and, you know, and up. And it's like amazing what they're able to accomplish. Like, I mean, these guys are like lawyers and doctors during the day and then they get on a bike and, and hint is like, You know, we're one of their sponsors, we buy all their uniforms and stuff, and they drink our water on these rides. But I would think like they would be I mean, when you get the packets out, I'll definitely you should send them some because they're like, you know, they're pretty active. And it's like a whole different community where people... I feel like people can say, God, if they can do it and they're saying like granola butter is how I'm getting there. Exactly. It's like, yeah. yeah. And they don't necessarily, it's interesting, like they don't have millions of followers, but they actually have pretty good traction on like people are watching them and like, oh, I saw you guys. And they're all in like these orange like suits. And I mean, they're winning races all over the place. Yeah. Like a team. Yeah. So it's pretty, it just shows you, you know, what can be done more than anything. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Super, super cool. So what's one of the biggest mistakes you think you've made along the way in sort of like building this company? I always say like, which one should I talk about right now? (laughs) Like there's so
1: many. Um, All right. Well, I guess, you know, while we're on the topic of press, so it was around like Thanksgiving time, you know, they sent over their big order and we had ordered this like $15,000 machine that was supposed to help us just like 10X our speed, production speed and everything. And actually I was leaving for pretty much the first vacation I had taken since we launched. Eric and I were going down to Mexico for like a um, day,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: with his family. And so we kind of had this like week timeline where we're like, all right, we're going to, you know, bang out this order and the machine comes. And of course it doesn't work. And so just, we didn't have a backup plan, you know, we had to kind of go back to how we were making it before, which was very like manual and by, a lot by hand and stuff. And so we pulled like, 16 18 hour days we like slept in the kitchen my family came on thanksgiving and helped us until 2am cranking out you know this last order which in hindsight like it's going to be an awesome like family yeah. moment but at the time it was like you know me yelling at my brother for like dropping all the you know yeah. Like, in the moment it's not very like warm and fuzzy but i think that just really taught me like having a backup plan for your backup plan for your backup plan you know and just always expecting something to go wrong like we were talking earlier and just you know kind Of letting it roll off your back, being flexible, which is something that I've you know been I'm excited to say that I've always kind of been like flexible and able to roll with the punches, but also like planning for failure is yeah, because you just actually, yeah, like, like optimistic, I'm like, it'll be great, like this new machine. So,
0: but if you freak out and then it just like, yeah, you have to keep your cool and figure out okay, what are we gonna do?
1: Yeah, yeah. so we did it. I mean, we like made it obviously. I had to go to Mexico a couple of days later, but yeah, it was just that moment was kind of like, okay, we need to you know have some backups for just expecting things to go wrong.
0: That's great that you, yeah, that you were able to do that. How do you and your boyfriend divide things out?
1: Yeah. So that was, was interesting because I didn't know that your husband also you mm-hmm. know, was super involved, but, um, so that's been kind of a, you know, an adjustment just going from he was working in consulting, he did tech consulting for Accenture. And so he was, you know, Monday through Friday in New York. And so I didn't see him. He was my weekend boy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I had the whole bed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And so now going from that to like we're with each other 24 7. I mean, I think it's awesome that he kind of, we, we are very like compartmentalized in what we do. So I do the social media, creative, you know, marketing, sales. And he's more technical, back end type stuff, like our website and, and everything, more like e commerce. So it's nice we kind of have our own roles, but at the same time, we do overlap with certain things. And just respecting each other is the biggest thing. You know, my mom always said, like, date someone who you both look up to each other, mm-hmm. both kind of feel like you're getting the better end of the deal. Yeah. Um, and I've always felt that with him. Like, I think the biggest trait in a partner is like someone who I admire and respect and like, I just really respect him. And I'm really, you know, proud of who he is. And so I think just having that innate, like foundational trust is really important.
0: Yeah, totally. I think it's like, but it's great that you're bringing somebody in that's different though, too. Like, I think, you know, I talk about that a lot as well, that, you know, it's not so much about like working with my husband as it is working with somebody who I totally trust and I like and who has a different skill set. Because I think like the skill set thing is like the key thing. When I hear like two best friends from college are starting like a company and like they both do the same thing, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really tough. And again, not to say that it can't be like a little business, but whether or not it can scale to what they think it can be you probably need somebody else in to kind of like, and it typically like, I can almost see it now, like within a couple of years, it ends up at most, it ends up, you know, being fine. And then it becomes, you know, life goes on and one decides to start a family and then the other one is like doing all the work and then and then it like really starts to divide. So I think it's just, I think it's great to hear that you guys are, like really respectful of each other and that there's like clear divide of sort of who does what. And like you said, that you're able to look at that person and say, I've like, I have the better end of the deal. Cause I'm learning, yeah. you know, and
1: the hardest thing is just, we never turn it off. Like, yeah. especially right now, we're just, you know, working like so many hours that it's, there's never like not talking about work. I remember we had like a date night recently, which was very rare. We're like, okay, we need to get out of the house we went to dinner and we sat down and I was like, okay, we're not going to talk about work. And it was just silent. <laughs> like,
0: what are we, what are we talk about? about? Yeah, no, it was so true. But we
1: love it. You know, it's like our baby, like our passion, like that's all we, it's what we want to talk about, but yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's okay. Like, I think there's a lot of pressure on people to be like, oh, you know, you can't have a relationship if like, you know, you can't turn it off. But I think it's like, again, if you really enjoy what you're doing, I mean, I remember early on when we were writing the business plan for Hint, and, you know, we had young kids too and i'd say oh let's go for date night at this local place the grove here in san francisco and like i'd have a beer but i'd still be like writing the business plan and like i was i was like looking at my husband he's like this isn't really a date night and i'm like what we're having a beer like it's kind of a date night like i'm fine with it and he was like okay you know and it's you know so it's just i don't know what like other people have definitions of what it's supposed to be like but i think it's you know I think it's, it's fine. And I think also if you're really passionate about it, I mean, I think that I've seen this more and more, especially in the last year, I really think like, you know, being an entrepreneur is sort of like solving, you know, for the, you know, solution, right? Like, it's like, it's every day there's like, if you can wake up and you can say like, what about this? What about this? How do we do this? Like, it's not to say that it's like smiles every single day and like, it's fun, but it's, Like if the challenge is there and you feel like there's still more problems to solve and you keep creating problems that then you can solve and you can keep doing that. What's wrong with like being able to talk to your boyfriend or your husband or about that? Like, what do you think about this? Like, it's just like, and again, if you respect that person for having like a different skill set than you, then there's nothing wrong with like talking about it. And so it's um. I mean, we're finding like a. I mean, as the hint brand grows, it's so funny, because even the times that we say, oh, let's like turn it off, then like people will see us and then they'll be like, oh, my God, I want to hear about like what's going on and stuff. And it's and so it's not even like us talking, but it's like, you know, how do we just say, oh, I'm not talking about that right now. Cause you know, again, you know, sometimes you run into these people who you don't see every single day and they're just excited for you. Right. And they want to hear, you know, what's the latest and greatest. So anyway, I don't think there's any right answer yeah. about it, but so what I've heard a little bit, but what makes you unstoppable? It's our last question. So, yeah.
1: Um, I think we talked about earlier, just my ability to you know, try to channel my inner Leslie, that's my mom, and just ask the unreasonable questions and not be afraid of the answer and not be afraid to put myself out there because the worst they can say is no.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Very, very cool. So, well, thank you so much for coming. And uh, yeah, this has been so great and good luck. And we'll have to have you back maybe uh, later in the year once we hear about the progress and and uh, all the good stuff and challenges along the way. And that'd be super, super fun. So thanks again. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. unstoppable. unstoppable.